Welcome to the new reality edition of Bite Marks Cafe right here on Hawaii Public Radio where we serve you the first bite of today's science, technology, and innovation. I'm Bert Lum. This week, uh, we'll jump right into our conversation about what we need to do to prepare for hurricane season. And of course, I'd like to welcome David Lopez. He's the executive officer over at the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency, and he's here to talk about the upcoming hurricane season and what we should do to prepare. David, welcome to Bite Marks Cafe. Yeah, good afternoon. Thanks for having me. And David, so tell me, what is uh, what exactly does an executive officer over at Haima do? Well, I'm um, I'm actually the number two person over there, so second in charge, mm-hmm. and mostly help run the day-to-day operations of the agency. And then, of course, during emergencies, I'm pretty much the right-hand man to the, our administrator, who the overall boss, um, along with our director of emergency management, General Hara. Uh-huh, right. And so, yeah, so I would be really helping out our administrator, James Barros, to, you know, kind of orchestrate the coordination of the emergency. And then uh, you've had some pretty... Um Good history with with uh, Haima. You've been there for for how many years? Uh, since 2015, September of 2015. And and uh, do you typically get involved with things like uh, Makani Pahili? Because Makani Pahili is like a hurricane exercise. It happens every year, yeah. Uh, and I think it was right. just just happened uh, a couple of what, maybe a month ago. The, Not even a couple weeks ago. And yeah, we had Makani Pahili 23. Mm-hmm. And you're right, that's our yearly hurricane um, preparedness exercises. And uh, yeah, I've been involved with every one of them since, since I joined Taima. So in tell one way me, or another. Tell me, you know, I think uh, maybe that's something new to folks. They might not have heard of Makani Pahili, but it's an annual exercise. What do you guys do? During Makani Pahili, I mean, what sorts of exercises uh, do you perform? We we try and hit several different levels of, I guess you could say, uh, leadership and operations throughout uh, throughout the state and the emergency management uh, enterprise. Mm-hmm. And so we'll conduct uh, some seminars that might be for executive leaders, uh, especially with the new administration. We did that, and that familiarizes them with our agency, and then also the emergency procedures that that we would go through when an emergency does happen. And then we do other exercises that are, I guess you could say, more on the operational and tactical level, Mm -hmm. where we might look at plans and try to do tabletop exercises of the plans to determine the strengths and weaknesses of the plan and how to better improve them or develop them. Um, And usually that's... uh, Usually it's a week-long, sometimes longer event, mm-hmm. and uh, we try to bring in all of our partners, federal, state, and county partners, to participate. You know, there was one year that I participated in a Makani Pahili, and it was it was more it was it had a desktop feature to it, but it was also uh, simulations because I remember having to, uh, you know, I guess play injured and you know people who would come and you know kind of triage you so there's right, right. different levels of uh the kind of exercise that you do from desktop which is basically kind of you know 
people sitting at a desk kind of going through uh, some some plans. But then there's actual uh, kind of like <clears throat> almost like real life scenarios. That, that's correct. Some of those might be mass casualties, like what you're referring mm-hmm. to, or uh, search and rescue um, training and uh, you know training scenarios. Uh, so yeah, they can to run. Like I said, uh, we, we try to do things uh, to encompass um, the different levels of participants in an emergency and of course it doesn't run the whole extreme every year there's a lot of factors that are involved in that but yeah we we do try to kind of top to bottom run the exercises at some point mm-hmm. and i know i know for a fact that you know the one that i participate in it was uh funded through i think probably some <clears throat> maybe some fema money or f- federal monies uh, because it wasn't trivial i mean you'd get all kinds of agencies involved from the neighbor island counties to the uh, state you know haima and then and then you got the feds at at fema and then you also have some of the nonprofits that are also involved with uh you know emergency preparedness yeah that that that's correct fema does um fund through grants and and other programs a lot of the exercises um and depending on you know what they're trying to to accomplish too, there might be more funding, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. right? And so, and also a lot of these exercises, if if one of the agencies or even a nonprofit might be receiving a grant through the federal government, they might be required to participate, and so they're kind of automatically incorporated in because it's part of their grant requirements. Um, to participate with emergency management, depending on what they, you know, what the grant is and, and where they would fit in the, the emergency plan. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's another way that those uh, exercises are funded and how we get the participants. Well, it's good that there's uh, these exercises just to kind of keep people on on uh, on point and and uh, you know familiar with what the uh, procedures and process and procedures are. Now. David, what's uh, <clears throat> what's the kind of like prediction for this year? And I'm I'm sort of starting to hear that uh, this might be a more active uh, hurricane season. Yes, well, we're we're going to find out the official prediction tomorrow. I believe it's going to air around ten thirty by, by the uh, National Weather Service. They'll give us uh, their prediction. Um, so we have heard first that it was going to be a La Nina year, which means the the water temperature is going to run a little cooler, which means less rest, risk of of a hurricane. But then we've heard, too, that the the forecast or the prediction was changing, that it was actually going to be an El Nino year, which would mean that the water temperatures were going to run a little warmer than average, which, of course, creates greater risk uh, for a hurricane and so we're going to wait for the official word, and we're hoping that you know the hurricane that's hitting Guam isn't a, a an omen for the future of this year. Yeah, and and you know it's it's I know it's a complex uh, explanation around what changes between like a La Nina and El Nino kind of year. Um, I don't know if you want to tackle that, but maybe I'll give you a little chance to. Think about how does that shift in 
uh, climate sort of happen from one year to the next. Uh, but we want to kind of hold that thought. We'll be right back after this short break to continue our conversation with David Lopez, Executive Officer over at the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency, also known as HAIMA. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, whose contributors help Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Anchor Systems Hawaii. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to David Lopez. He's the executive officer over at the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency, also known as HAIMA. And, of course, we're talking about hurricane season. And, of course, right before the break, uh, we're talking about how maybe initially they thought that uh, this might become another um, La Nina year, but... David, what do you think? I mean, what 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 creates this situation where the ocean warms up a little bit more than people had uh, previously predicted? Well, I'm I'm telling you, I'm I'm no expert in that. I'm not a meteorologist. Um, I know that that the National Weather Service um, they use several different models. Mm-hmm. And of course, mm-hmm. these different models require different inputs, and so they run these models. Um, you know, there might be other things that that could change uh, weather and weather patterns, like heavier snowfalls and melts and, and so on. Um, and so they put all of these things in all of these you know criteria that that they're measuring into these models, and then look at the models and probably do a significant amount of studying from past events and see see what is running closest to the model's outcome and then try and give us a prediction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the next season. So it is pretty complex. And, uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot of factors that most of us don't even realize go into trying to determine these type of weather patterns. And I, you know, I I'd see def- definitively kind of recall last year uh, where hurricane season went by with hardly a, a, a hitch. I mean, there was hardly any real major storm that that uh, got got any kind of media attention what what is the general sense of what might happen this coming year i mean are we talking about two three four what what are we uh speculating on the amount of potential storms traversing the pacific I don't know that's what we're gonna that's what we'll find out tomorrow by the national weather service mm-hmm. they they actually will put out, you know, kind of a range, like there might be 10 to 15 storms, and uh, um, sometimes are able to link a category, you know, the size of the storms to, or a period of time where the storms have potential to be, you know, of greater strength. And so we're we're waiting to hear from them, um, <laughs> just like everybody else. They haven't they haven't let the the cat out of the back to me yet. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So <laughs> uh, maybe we're going to have to have you come back and kind of explain exactly uh, what was uh, conveyed in their in their models. But even even with that said, uh, there is an annual sort of preparedness that we should all start to think about. And you know, I think um, I think it was Hurricane Lane that. Uh, came by and and it got quite a bit of attention especially when it started to 
turn. I mean, it went south of the the chain, and then all of a sudden it started to turn north, <laughs> right around where Oahu is. Yeah. Uh, David, what you know? What what would you like to kind of instill in people's minds about you know what these destructive storms can potentially do uh, to Hawaii, given the fact that you know we're in the middle of Pacific. It's not like you know, it's not like you can drive from California and you know get supplies. I mean, what what right. what do we need to really think about? Well, I, I, you know, in talking with people, um, I come across a lot that they don't believe that one storm could hurt the the whole state, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we just look at at Guam, this is probably the first point to understand. If we if we look at what happen, is happening with Guam right now with um, Cyclone Mawar, mm-hmm. the the defined portion of that that typhoon is 400 miles across, and that four, 400 miles to the state reaches from the east coast of the Big Island to the west coast of Kauai. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that that the outward winds or the outward bands of that storm are at 700 miles. So the, the and Lane similarly was a very big storm that would have encompassed the whole state if if it would have continued north, as you were saying. So that's the first point I think that needs to people need to understand that the, these storms are big and they they have a potential of affecting the whole state. Um, probably the next thing to understand overall is that. Hawaii has developed into what we call an on-demand economy. And so what that means is that everything is basically shipped in here just in, just in enough time to, to rest on the shelves for a few days and then, then be consumed, right? Mm-hmm, right. And what that means for us in an emergency environment is that we don't have it, um, an emergency surplus. Mm-hmm. And we we import most of our goods, over 90% of our goods, and a big destructive storm could hurt our our importation system, basically the port of Honolulu. And that that's where people need to understand is why it's it's a good idea and why we recommend to have at least 14 days of of food, have a plan, um, food and water, have a plan to to be in a safe place if one of these storms hit and uh, know how to take care of yourself and so forth. Because as most of us seen, the shelves go empty very quickly when these warnings go out. There's not going to be a lot left in our stores afterward. And, um, you know, if we look back and we look at what happened in Puerto Rico, we understand that these Storms can be incredibly damaging, and they're very hard to recover from because Puerto Rico, like us, is a not, was an on-demand economy, mm-hmm. and they lost a lot of uh, their, you know, their stock in the storm, and so had to come back from zero um, with damaged logistics chain, no power, and uh, a very limited workforce. Not everybody could get to work. So, so, so David, so when when preparing for a fourteen day surplus, uh, and I don't, you know, I don't want to cause a a rush to go buy toilet paper, because uh, <laughs> because right. I'm I'm right. going to be the first in line. <laughs> what what would you what would you like to re- recommend? I mean, don't wait for the 
storms to appear. I mean, just kind of go out and start to stock up on stuff. I mean, and 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 what would you recommend stocking up on? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and I I do I recommend gradual purchasing of things over you know the over the course of time, mm-hmm. so it's not a great expense. And you know if if you're really serious about it, um, there's actually some some survival food that you can get that only requires you know heated water and it requires no refrigeration and um, comes in basically five-gallon buckets that are easier to store, so you reduce storage space. Mm-hmm. I know those are all concerns with our population. And, um, of course, if you don't use it this season, it's good for pr- probably about 10 years, so you get a little return on investment if <laughs> you don't have to use it. Big return on investment if you do, because most of those those uh Meal packages come out to about you know two dollars a meal or so, um, in the long run. Well, those, um, you those... know, the downside to that is that you have to come up with some money at first. So you know if you can store dry goods. On the other hand, rice and things like that mm-hmm. that you can cook very easily and can store for a long time, then th- those are good options as well. So, so those uh, meals that you are referring to—that's not your typical, uh, let's say, um, dehydrated, you know, uh, food packets that you can go buy somewhere. Where would you recommend looking for that? Uh, there's, you can go online and look up uh, survival food, mm-hmm. and there's a few companies. Wise is one, Patriots another. So there's a few of those out there. It is a dehydrated food, but it's come a long way mm-hmm. um, since the you know the old days, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, so they even have dessert packages now. So you can get uh, blueberry cheesecake if you, if you desire. Oh. But yeah, there's a lot of options out there that that we can you know people can can find as. Um, you know, means for emergency food. Now, and I would also su- suggest iodine tablets because then you can you can purify your own water even if you, you if it, things are so bad you have to catch water. Yeah. You know, like rain catchment and so forth. You can purify your own water very easy that way. Yeah, I'm 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 going to be. I I think I probably need to look up like what how much uh, iodine do you need to put in? Let's say per I don't know gallon. Yeah, well, you get the you get tablets, and they'll it'll tell you exactly like two tablets per per liter of water. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. Yeah. And 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 David, you know, I, I I'm sure everybody's out there is asking this question. I mean, how much? Uh, how how long will spam last if you're if you got it on the on the counter? <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think very long. Um, I'm not really sure to tell you the truth, but you know you. I'm, I'm, the the thing is with any type of you know perishable goods over time you you run in start running into other problems with contamination mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. that's a you know it's another worry in you know a distressed environment like what would we be talking about when you have limited power limited ability to cool and store things and you know over <clears throat> the longer you're in that environment the greater chances of other types of contamination and food poisoning and yeah uh, yeah you know becoming sick with with other with other uh 
with other sanitary issues and things like that. Mm -hmm. That's also a concern, too, is, you know, your waste products and rubbish that's built up and you're not going to have the standard trash removal and so forth. So the longer we're in this this type of, um, you know, recovery state where we don't have the normal infrastructure operating the way that we're used to, the greater the chances of these other um, you know, ailments coming. And again, every time we have groups of people getting sick, then it, that's our workforce and it's going to take away from our recovery. Yeah, yeah, no, good, good point. I, I do want to, you know, kind of get into a little bit more about how, whatever, what, what else should we consider in terms of uh, just having on hand. So we'll hold that thought. We'll be right back at this short break to continue our conversation with David Lopez. He's the executive officer over at the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency. This is Bite Marks Cafe. Support for Bite Marks Cafe comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor PCAT, Pacific Center for Advanced Technology Training. Welcome back. This is Bite Marks Cafe. I'm Bert Lum. If you're just joining us, we're talking to David Lopez. He's the executive officer over at the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency. And we're talking about what you need to, I guess, uh, Look at getting <laughs> to prepare and be ready for that next big storm. And, and David, you know, we're talking about some of these uh, survival foods, and I will definitely take a look at that because you, gotta, you made a good point. I mean, you don't know when this, this is, is uh, you know, might happen. You might um, decide to buy some stuff, and, you know, you, you might, a whole season might pass. And then what are you going to do, right? You might have some really old canned goods uh, lying around. And some of the survival food, at least it has a, a longer shelf life. So I think that's a good good recommendation. Uh, and, and David, you know, in terms of water, right, because water is a very key element that we need to make sure we have on hand. I mean, what would you suggest uh, we, we store? I mean, is there a, you know, amount, uh, how many gallons per day per person? I think the you know depending on on your workload, of course, um, that's that's key in in determining how much water you might might need. But I, I think general rule is about a gallon a day per person. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, there's different bladder products for storing water. There's there's one that I've seen that can fit in your bathtub, and then you can fill it um, in your bathtub so it'll stay stay there, and you can use that. Um, most of us know about rain catchment systems and other other methods of, of getting water. And the, the big key there is, you know, keeping it clean and mm-hmm. purified so that you don't get sick, sick uh, from drinking um, water with contaminants in it. So, yeah, there, there are several, again, go to your survival web pages, and there's several different bladder techniques that they have out there um, that you can purchase. Uh, for water storage, mm-hmm. and and uh, David, do you recommend any kind of like? Uh, should we all go out and get generators and be prepared if the power goes well, out? Yeah, I think I, you know you, you really have to look. At what I would say to do is you you kind of you kind of look at your home, and I would recommend doing it the same way that we look at things in the state by kind of your infrastructure, your systems, what keeps your, what keeps your home going. Mm -hmm. And so you have food and water, power, 
you know, the shelter, the structure itself, um, medical medical capabilities, your communication, waste waste management, and things like that. So examine each one of those those systems, so to speak, and try and understand how long you can go without it based mm-hmm. on what's in mm-hmm. your home. And then that starts telling you where your weaknesses and strengths are. So, you know, if you've you're I know you I know your show looks at a lot of tech stuff. So if you're a techie and you've got solar power and you know you can't be without Netflix, you might you might be able to last ten days without power because you've got an emergency generator, you've got panels, you've got a way to be stay connected. Um, well, that's great, but, you know, how much food do you have? Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, this, these are the things that you have to balance out within what's important with, your, with you and your household, your family. Um, when you look at your house, for instance, you know, what, what size storm can your house handle? Um, is it in an inundation zone? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get in and out of your house to get to help, to get to food, to get to the hospital? Because that might be, um, that might have obstacles or be blocked um, in one of these big storm environments. You know, down power lines, washed out bridges and culverts and things might impede traffic. Mm-hmm. You have to understand those, those type things, too. Is your whole house safe or is it just a room? And how many people can you get into that room? Mm-hmm. Um and and what yeah, you're referring long, to is kind of like the the your home plan, right? I mean, your homeowner plan, right? Yeah, insurance. So, you know, all of these things are very important to, to consider. A medication, something that's often overlooked. You know, does your medic medication require um, refrigeration? Mm-hmm. Uh, does it require power? Whatever medical issues that you might have. Um, are you you know how 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 far in advance can you get prescription drugs? to, you know, for big storms coming to make sure that you have on hand your supply for what you need to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. So these are some of the, you know, the ideas um, that you look at in your plan. It's much easier if you kind of do it by system and then you can iron out what's important to you, how long you can last with or without it. And then it gives you an idea of you know, your purchase plan or how you can acquire that before that day of impact. And, you know, if, if you can't stay at home, you can get an idea of where can you, can I go to auntie's house and mm-hmm. stay there? Because, you know, she lives up country and will be out of the inundation zone or has a stronger house than I do. Uh, so, it's, or, you know, what family do I have to get to my house? Because I've got the strong house and, you know, others might need help. You know, David, we we've got just about a minute uh, to go, and you know, I I know I could ask you a bunch of questions. Do you do you recommend? Well, uh, first off, do you recommend things like, uh, uh, let's say, Skywarn? You know, being more familiar with the weather type of uh, uh, observing. Uh, do you recommend people get uh, ham radio licenses? Do you recommend you know maybe going through some cert training? Yeah, I recommend all of those things that, you know, you have to, being an island state, we're out here by ourselves, you know, and health is a long ways away. Like you said earlier, it's not backed up at the next, the, the next state borderline. That's right. Um, and so we have, to, we have to take part in our own rescue. And anything that you can do to make you and your community more resilient, first aid classes, anything like that, the CERT training, 
going and talking to your county emergency management uh, agency and representatives. Well, David, we're going to have to... all great things to do. Thanks, David, and we're going to have to end it there. David Lopez is the executive officer at the Hawaii Emergency Management Agency. And David, I want to thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And thank you for listening to Bite Marsh Cafe. Join us next week when we'll get the latest update from Mana Up. If you miss any part of this edition, you can find the podcast of tonight's show on bitemarkscafe.org. Our engineer is David Chong. You can catch us on HBR1 every Wednesday or anytime via the HBR app or your favorite podcast application. You stay safe. You stay awesome. We'll see you next week on another edition of Bite Marks Cafe. Bite Marks Cafe.